Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now you might. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39. For the promise. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Holy Ghost, the gift of God, is called the promise. And I'd like to speak to you today on that theme, the promise. God bless you. Please be seated. A promise is a commitment to do something or to not do something. A promise can be an assurance that you will do something and when you make that statement, a promise, that it will actually happen, that you will follow through with your word. God is a promise maker. In the book, All the Promises in the Bible, the author Herbert Locklear that I kind of scanned through yesterday, he noted that a school teacher named Everett R. Storms on his 27th reading of the Bible, he counted 7,487 promises from God to man. Now, you can Google the promises of God in the Bible or all the promises made in the Bible, and you might see 8,800. Someone came up with an astronomical number that basically said every verse in the Bible is a promise. But there are many promises that God has made in the Bible. The word promise occurs 50 times. Promises, 13 times. Promised, 47 times. 110 times. But often God makes a promise without using the word promise. The very first promise in the Bible was made after the very first human sin. When the Lord promised that a descendant of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. The very last promise in the Bible is found in the book of Revelation 22 when the Lord said, surely I come quickly. Amen. The Bible is bookended with the promises that God has made. I grew up in church and we used to sing, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Well, I'm glad that not every promise in the book is mine. Some are made to the devil, and they're not mine. Some are made to the wicked, and I don't want them to be mine. Some are made to national Israel, and they're not mine. But I can assure you, there are plenty promises in the Bible that are mine and yours, and we can lay hold on the promises of God. Amen. God is a promise maker. God is also a promise keeper. It is impossible for God to lie. And all the promises of God are yes, and in him 
they are amen. God dwells above time. And the Bible said that God, who quickens the dead, he can call those things that are not, that have not yet been lived out in history as though they were. In other words, God can speak to the future as if it has already been done. And if God said it, that settles it. God is a promise keeper. Amen. The Bible says of Abraham that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper. Amen. If God promise it, promises it, you can count on it. God cannot lie. He is able to perform what he promises. Now, in the Bible, you will find two kinds of promises that God has made. There are unconditional promises, and there are conditional promises of God. When God says, I will, that is an unconditional promise. That means there is nothing anyone can do that will stop that promise from coming to pass. That promise is not contingent on your belief or unbelief. When God says, I will, nothing can stop it from coming to pass. After the flood, the Lord promised in Genesis 9 that he would never destroy the entire earth with a flood again. In spite of the wickedness of man, God promised that he would never destroy the earth by flood again as he did in the past. And he gave us the rainbow as a reminder. It was a token of the covenant, covenant that he had made. In Genesis chapter 12, the Lord gave an unconditional promise to Abraham that to his descendants, he would give the land of Canaan, the land of Israel. This land is in dispute now as it has been throughout history, but God gave a promise to Abraham's descendants, to national Israel, that they would give them that land. In the book of Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, the Lord said to all of us, I say to you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It does not matter what tries to come against the church. When God said, I will, it will happen just as God said. Now, you may not be in the church or someone else may not be in the church, but around the world, God has a church that he has built and he is building and nothing can stop what God has said, I will do. Amen. Once you're in the body of Christ, we have the promise of the Lord that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. If you've given your life to the Lord, the Bible said that God, who has begun a good work in us, will perform it or finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible says as Jesus ascended into heaven, the angel said, this same Jesus 
which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go up into heaven. It is an unconditional promise of God. Of this same promise, the writer of Hebrews said that after you have done the will of God, you need patience that you might receive the promise for yet a little while. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. We live in this earth living for God, but we are looking for a new heaven and a new earth where dwells righteousness. And we live for that day when the last trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. Amen. And we that are alive and remain are going to be caught up with the dead in Christ. Amen. We live for that day. It is an unconditional promise of God that he's coming again. The Bible also contains conditional promises. God often says, in effect, these are not always the exact words, but if you will, I will. God is waiting on us to act in faith and obedience to him, and if we will, he will. And if we do not, he will not. Everyone I know would love for the Lord to direct their paths, but it is a conditional promise. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3 said, with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. All of us would love to have the blessing of God on our lives. But the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with thee and thou might dwell long and live long in the land. It is a conditional promise of God. One of the more famous conditional promises of God is found in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We may say we want God to bless us and give us revival, but it is a conditional promise. If my people will, I will. If my people will humble themselves, if my people will repent, if my people will pray, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive their sin. Then will I hear their land. Whatever you want from God, if you will pray and turn your life over to the Lord, then God will heal your, heal your, hear your prayer. He will heal your land. Amen. I say it's time for us to act on the conditional promises of God. That if God is ready and willing, then there's nothing that would stop us from saying, I will pray. I will humble myself. I will turn from my wicked ways. It is a conditional promise of God. But today my focus is on the promise. Amen. With all the thousands of promises that God has made to human beings, there is one promise that the Bible calls the promise of the Father. Not just a promise, but the promise. At the close of his earthly ministry, just prior to his ascension in heaven, 
Jesus spoke to his disciples in Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I'm going to send the promise of my Father. But if you're going to receive it, you to this group of people, he said, you need to go back to Jerusalem. It is conditional on you going back to Jerusalem to wait for the promise to fall. Now, you may know that the book of Luke is followed by the book of Acts according to the writings of Luke. Acts is a sequel. It doesn't fall that way in your Bible, but Luke and Acts have the same author. So Luke overlaps the occasion of the ascension of Jesus Christ. So we find this same scenario in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now, not many days hence, the King James says. Now this is significant. These words are spoken by Jesus Christ, and they are spoken just before he ascends up into heaven. If you're reading in Acts or Luke, you will find that right after Jesus says these words, he ascends up into heaven. The last words that he speaks to them before his ascension. Now, all the promises of God, all the promises of God point to salvation. And the promises in the Bible start with that promise that God will crush the head of the serpent. And the last promise is that Jesus is coming again. Those two prophecies bookend all the prophecies that are in the Bible. Amen. But Jesus calls the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. All of the Old Testament prophecies pointed to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ pointed people back to Jerusalem on that day, back to the promise of the Father, and he told them that I'm going to give you the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can feel the Bible momentum building to this moment when God with us would become God in us. Jesus said, you've heard about this promise from me. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, when he said, I'm going to give you the promise of the Father, that wasn't just stuck out there in the middle of nowhere. He said, I've been talking to you about this promise. And you can go through especially the book of John, and you will find that Jesus had been pointing people to this occasion when he would pour out his spirit. Amen. Now, what did Jesus say? about the promise of the Father. In John chapter three to Nicodemus, and I'm going to summarize the, 
these scriptures, Jesus said, except a man be born again of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Jesus said the wind blows where it wants to. You can hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. But so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. John 3, Jesus spoke about the promise of the Father. In John chapter 4, to a woman at a well, Jesus said, but the water that I will give you will be like a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. In John chapter 7, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, that's the condition, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He was speaking about the Spirit. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter. In John 14 again, he said, the comforter is the Holy Ghost that the Father will send in my name. In John chapter 15, Jesus said, when the comforter is come, it's going to guide you in all truth. In John 16, Jesus said, it is expedient that I go away. If I don't ascend into heaven, the Spirit cannot come back. In John 16 again, Jesus said that the Holy Ghost is a spirit of truth. And in John chapter 20, Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Ghost. Throughout the Gospels, and especially in John, Jesus was teaching about the Holy Ghost. So that's why in Acts chapter 1, he said, I've been talking to you about this. Now it's time to get down to business and receive the promises of God. Amen. I want to go back to John chapter 7 to talk about this, this conditional promise of God. John 7, 38. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said. Amen. In other words, here is a condition of making sure you prepare your life, your heart, to receive the gift of God, the promise of the Father. The Bible is very clear that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is a condition. God does not want you to die and go to hell, but there is a condition that you must turn your life over to his lordship. John seven thirty eight again. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Glorified points to that moment when he ascended up into heaven. We've already covered that today. And he told them, go back to Jerusalem and you wait for the promise of the Father. This is what God has been preparing for centuries and millennia for this moment that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. Jesus said, if you will, I will. Now I've seen people say, if God wants me to have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, he can just give it to me. Well, he died to give you his spirit. He rose again to give you his spirit. 
He ascended into heaven to give you his spirit. He poured out his spirit all the way back on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 for you to receive the spirit. But you can't just sit there with your arms closed and your mouth shut and your heart uh, kind of wondering. You've got to meet God's conditions. And if you will, God will. Amen. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is the promise. It is the promise of the Father. Amen. Now, when was this promise received? Acts chapter 2, 1. And when the day of Pentecost. That's why we call ourselves Pentecostal. We have for over a century, not just this church, because we point back to this experience, this relationship that was initiated on that particular day, a Jewish feast day when God chose. And he pointed to that. I've already read and taught about that. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the ability to speak. Let me pause right now to tell you that we will never teach you how to speak in tongues. We will never tell you to repeat some magical phrase to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. These people on this day were filled with God's Spirit and as a sign that they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they miraculously began to speak in languages that they had never learned. Amen. When I was eight years old, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when I did, I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. I've been praying for several weeks that God would fill me. I knew instantly that my language changed from English to a language I had never learned. And I spoke it fluently and clearly as the Spirit gave me the utterance or the ability to speak. Amen. People are gathered, they're wondering, they're mocking. What does this mean? And the apostle Peter tells them, because some said, they, they mocked and they said they're drunk. They're acting a little crazy. And Peter said, they're, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this that is happening right now is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. That God said in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men are going to see vision. Old men are going to see dreams. Upon my servants and my handmaids in those days I will pour out of my spirit and they are going to prophesy. Now this prophecy of Joel chapter 2 is an unconditional promise of God 
And it is a universal promise of God that it doesn't matter where it is in the world. It could be in a Christian nation or an access challenged nation or a pagan nation. But if anybody will meet God's condition, there is an unconditional promise that the spirit is going to be poured out upon all flesh. Amen. So it doesn't matter what your race is, what your culture is. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, if you're young or old. If you will, God will. <laughs> this promise is unconditional in a universal sense that God said he was going to do it. But it is conditional that it may not happen to you, but it can happen to you. And if you will, God will. You may feel like you're unworthy. You may feel like you didn't grow up as a Pentecostal. You may feel like you don't have a religious background, but that does not matter to God. If you will, God will. He has promised that the Holy Ghost is the promise of the Father. <clears throat> well, the apostle Peter preaches that Jesus was crucified buried, rose again, exalted, ascended. Amen. And after he preached, then there was a response. These men and women that are standing there in the crowd are convicted by their sin of rejecting Jesus Christ and even being culpable for his crucifixion. So now in the middle of his sermon, they stop and they begin to think about this. This is Acts 2.36, the end of this sermon or the middle of the sermon. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Amen. We recognize that there is a condition that we must meet. What must we do in order to receive salvation through Jesus Christ? So you may be asking, what are the conditions if this is a conditional promise? I'm so glad you asked. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent. We'll stop right there for now. The condition of receiving the promise of the Father is repentance. And when you repent, it is a change of heart, mind, and life direction away from sin and toward God. Repentance is putting your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible said, was shed, was spilled once for all. He's not willing that any should perish, but many will perish. Jesus said that, that there's a wide gate that goes to hell, and many will go in that wide gate down that broad way. But if you say, I'm not going to hell, I want to know what must I do. I'm telling you today that if you will turn from your sins, it is a condition to receive the promise from Almighty God. 
we were singing, there is nothing too hard for God. Anything is possible. And God can do anything he chooses to do. There are some things God will not do. God will not force you to change your mind. God will not force you today to repent of your sins. You have to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. I've lived my life my way in stubbornness, rebellion, trying to work out everything on my own. And today, God, I want to meet this condition of turning from my sins to you. Amen. Because salvation is a conditional promise. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ identifies you with the burial of Jesus Christ. Romans 6 and 4, Colossians says that we are buried with him by baptism. Baptism is not just some rite of the church. It is not joining the church. Baptism is for the remission of sins. Some people argue, well, we're not saved by works. Baptism is not a work that will save you. Baptism is an act of obedience and faith in Jesus Christ. That he died for your sins, we repent of our sins. He was buried for our sins, we are buried with him by baptism into his death. Amen. And in case you don't know it, we're ready today to baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have changing rooms, towels, garments, clean, warm water, a team of people that will help you obey this conditional promise of God. What you need to do is quit saying, if God wants me to be saved, he'll save me. He did everything he could do to save you. Now it is up to you to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The promise of the Father is a gift, but you must meet God's conditions today. To receive the promise of the Father. Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For, for the remission of sins. And you shall. God is saying if you will. I will. I pray with people throughout my life. Since I was a teenager. Who felt unworthy to receive the Holy Ghost. They repented, but they doubted they were forgiven. They'd been baptized in Jesus' name, but they doubted they were worthy. I want you to know that when you turn from your sins of repentance, when you are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are put under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. You have met God's conditions, and if you will, God will. Amen. You don't have to wonder whether or not he has forgiven you or not. If you have obeyed him, if you have met those conditions, then God is ready today to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You shall, you shall receive the gift, the gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is the gift of God, 
not earned, not deserved, but by his great mercy wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, we are saved by grace through faith. Amen? The Holy Spirit makes you a new creation, changes you from a sinner into a saint, gives you the hope of heaven. And the initial sign that you have received God's Spirit is speaking in a language you never learned. Acts 2.39, for the promise, for the promise, for the promise made by God who cannot lie, for the promise made by God who all the promises of God are yes, and in him they are amen. A God that is a promise maker, a God that is a promise keeper, and no matter who you are or what you've done or how unworthy you feel, if you will, God will. If you will repent and be baptized, God will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'll just go one step further. When I was eight years old, I had not yet been baptized in Jesus' name, but I would after I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And there are times that by your faith, God fills you with the Holy Ghost, and then baptism becomes a commandment. Amen. I won't take time to, to prove that in the Scripture, but it is. So today, if you will, God will. God always keeps his promises. I have seen with my own eyes children as young as three years old receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Our grandchildren, some five years old, received the gift of the Holy Ghost. No one taught them to speak in tongues. We also know in our church, Sister Elsie Neal, who's gone on to be with the Lord, but in the last years of her life, she came to our church. She repented of her sins, was baptized in Jesus' name, and she received the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is for the young, and it is for the old. It is for the person who's been a believer all their life, but never received the Holy Ghost. But I've also seen skeptics walk in and God would get a hold of their heart. I've watched a wicked man repent of his sins, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because God made him just as if he had never sinned. There is no one who is outside the scope of God's promise. And today, on this Sunday, if you will, God will. That's it. If you will, God will. If you will, God will. Now we're going to be seated for a moment and I want us to pray. And everybody in the house that has faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to turn from our sins to repentance. And if you, if you believe that you've already repented of your sins, then you can pray for someone else that they would repent of their sins. You may be here today and you would be reluctant to join us in the altar when we all gather to pray. So we're going to do that later today. I felt as I prepared today that we're going to give an altar call right where you're sitting. 
On the day of Pentecost, the Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on that place where they were sitting. So right now, wherever you are sitting, and I want to say it if you're watching online and you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, while you're sitting or standing or watching, there is no restriction from God. The Word of God is not bound. It will come to you right where you are. Amen. If you will, God will. Let's lift our voices in repentance right now. I'm going to pray like I did when I was a sinner. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, Lord. I pray, oh God, right now that you would wash me and make me clean, God. I pray, Lord, that you would purify my mind and you would purify my heart, God. I ask you, God, to forgive me for my selfishness Forgive me, God, for my rebellion against you. I pray, God, that you would forgive me, Lord, for any unrighteous act that I've ever done, God, that has gone against your moral nature or your holy word. God, forgive me right now. That's it. Repent right now. If you will, God will. God will not repent for you, but if you will repent, God will forgive you. Hallelujah. Anything is possible, God. You will forgive us, God. I said, it doesn't matter how despicable that act may have been. It doesn't matter how depraved that thought may have been. Forgiveness right now is in this room. Forgive me, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. God knows everything about you already. You might as well confess your sins to God. You've been trying to hide from other people, but you cannot hide from God. So instead of ducking and running and hiding and blaming other people, why don't you confess your sins to God today? Confess your sins to God today and forsake your sins. Repent. Turn from your sins and turn to God. If you have never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, I've already told you we're prepared to baptize you today. Water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins is the condition of salvation. Are there are examples in the Bible of people who received the gift of the Holy Ghost by faith before they were baptized, but then commanded to be baptized in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 10, for sure, if you want to read about it. Acts chapter 8, you can read about it. Now I want us to thank the Lord. And here, here's, here's what I'm believing right now. If you will, God will. I've never seen anyone receive the Holy Ghost while they were at that moment repenting. Repentance is a change of mind, is praying and asking God to forgive you. But after you've repented, you need to then begin to thank God that if you will, he will. 
that he's forgiven you of your sins. Amen. So I want you to begin to expect a gift of the Holy Ghost to fall on you. If you've been a little stale in the Lord, it's been a long time since you've been renewed in the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't go weeks and months and years without speaking in other tongues. It should be a normal experience in the life of a believer. So today we're all going to be renewed or filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And technically, if you've never spoken in tongues and you speak in tongues today for the very first time, the Bible would say that you were baptized in the Spirit, that initial filling of the Holy Ghost. In the Bible, that speaks of times of refreshing that come from the Holy Ghost and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. All of us need to be renewed very, very often. So we're going to begin to worship God. We're going to begin to worship out loud, lift our voices. When I was about 15 years old, one of my really good friends, Rick, his family had just come to the Lord. We were at a youth camp in the state of Florida. Rick was a beast on a football field, but in the altar, he was really wimpy and shy. And in my very undiplomatic way, as a good friend teenager, I stopped Rick while he was praying, and I said, Rick, you're never going to receive the Holy Ghost like that. It's kind of real passive. I knew he was not a passive person. He had knocked my block off more than once in football games. I said, Rick, you're going to have to worship God with everything you've got. And Rick did. And when he did, God did. And that night he received the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues. As the Holy Ghost gave him the utterance, the ability to speak. And he lived for God until he died with the tumor. If you will, God will. So I want us all to lift our hands and hearts to the Lord and begin to worship Him like you did when you first received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I am believing that God is going to pour out the Holy Ghost where you are sitting, where you are standing. You can pray with someone near you right now. That's it. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you will, God will. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Altar counselors, look around you. Holy Ghost-filled people, go help someone receive the Holy Ghost. That's it. That's it. Be renewed. Be filled. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 